Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. We'll float to Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. Fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. going on everybody we are here the posting up podcast here in our fifth run we've got everyone with us today which i love isaiah sean how are you doing today doing good how about you guys good good thank you for asking uh, a lot of good basketball this past weekend though there's been covid cancellations and that'll bring us right into our first topic here um covid is spreading like wildfire across the nba I mean, there's games getting canceled left and right. We've got bigger, big problems. Philly's having a lot of problems. Boston's having some problems. I know Chicago and Dallas are also having their issues with COVID. Um, Sean, I want to start with you first. Uh, basically, what I want to know is at what point does the bubble become a realistic possibility earlier than the playoffs? Because if games keep getting canceled like this and players keep missing a lot of games, there's there's going to be a lot of problems in the NBA. Yeah, um, I think they definitely got to start to have discussions about it. Um, obviously, it's it's jeopardizing, uh, you know, the NBA season right now. Um, obviously, we don't know if it, if it's gonna uh, continue like this, but um, at some point you got to step in, you got to try and uh, help it out. So obviously, we know that the bubble worked last year. Um, there were no positive tests while the players were in there. So um, you know, they have to try and crack down on these regulations and guidelines. But uh, if the players can't follow along, um, you know, if the virus keeps you know, spreading the way that it is. And I think that they, they definitely do have to look into that because it obviously worked last year. Um, it was effective. So I think that um, if the NBA really wants to, um, you know, having these cancellations not keep going and they want to keep the season going, then uh, I think that it would be wise to definitely look into um, the bubble situation. Even if they can't go to the Disney bubble, try and figure something out where, um, you know, they could, they could have the players in there so they can get tested, um, you know, every day and to make sure that uh, they get the season going. Because uh, I think that, like you said, it, it's really getting out of hand right now. The the past week, there's been so many cancellations. A lot of stars have gotten it. And it's, it's really been spreading like wildfire. So um, I do think that Adam Silver uh, will look into it because I, I think he's a good commissioner. So I think that they'll figure this out. But definitely um, a rough patch for the past week for the NBA. Yeah, Isaiah, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the same question there. Well, I mean, I agree with Sean. I, I do believe that um, they're going to have to start looking into some type of possible bubble, but I don't think it's an option right at the moment. I believe players are too free right now. They're used to their routines, living you know outside of the bubble and living their lives. 
A lot of them don't want to go back. A lot of them have had the virus multiple times now since March. So they have antibodies or they feel they have antibodies. So a lot of them aren't going to be against the whole bubble situation because it goes against, you know, how they how they're living right now. So while I do think a bubble is is a great idea because you can't continue to have players, you know, driving 10 hours from state to state, you know, just to get um, home from these games or flying in three different planes, you know, so they're not all together on one plane. It's getting out of hand, but I don't believe that the players are just going to willingly agree to a bubble because of how free they've been the last couple of months. Uh, You know what? I'm (laughs) getting... This might just be 76ers um, bias, and and Jace, Jace says it right there, that um, the longer period of time would be a difficult thing for players in the bubble. But at some point, I think that's the only way they're going to be able to do it. I think they're going to have to they're going to have to tighten up on the restrictions. They're going to have to tighten up on the guidelines. I mean, at some point, it's going to be like just stay in your damn house and don't leave. Because if these games keep getting canceled and star players keep getting the virus, you're going to end up with games like the 76ers had the other day where they played with seven guys. I mean, someone I never even heard of for the 76ers played 45 minutes in an NBA game. That's 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 ridiculous to me. I mean, I think there's certain sacrifices you have to make in this profession. I think this should be one of them. I, I know you guys probably aren't going to agree with me, but if you don't like the the rules the bubble idea then opt out don't play but if you're if you're willing to play if you want to go shoot for another championship down and down in the bubble wherever that might be i think that's the only way to get this season done because i only see it getting worse from here so so what do you do when you run into a situation when other players want to go they just you just call the season off i guess if it it gets to the point where they have to go to a bubble and no one wants to go then there's no other way to do it then i guess you just you gotta be ready. You gotta be ready for those financial losses. Those will be huge financial losses. That's part of the issue with the situation. I hear what you're saying, but you're asking players to not see their families every night and go to a bubble for another sixty some odd games, or, or fifty whatever we're at. I, I I think that's a lot to be asking for them right now. Like they said, like the bubble is very difficult for some of these players. Uh, and I do understand that part of it. I guess a little bit's coming from fan bias but i i just don't see a realistic way this the season finishes as of as as things are right now uh, with uh the virus spreading like it is throughout the league maybe they have to look into expansion of rosters adding some more players I, yeah, I, I think that's something they are looking into right now, too, is um, trying to expand the rosters. I know that I saw a report from uh, ESPN that Adam Silver is looking into that. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense, obviously, um, you know, carrying if they can go up to maybe even 20 players they can carry on the bench. Um, obviously, you got to spread them out with the COVID restrictions and guidelines, stuff like that. But I think it would help teams out a lot. Obviously, like you said, the Sixers playing with only seven guys the other night. Uh, Celtics were playing without any big men the other night. So um, obviously, you just have some reinforcements. It would be nice. Um, some players, maybe bring up some G League players uh, from from your affiliate. But uh, I think that does make a lot of sense. But uh, you do bring up a good point, Isaiah, with the the players handling the bubble. Um, obviously, there's when, when you're alone in a room like that for you know months at a time, it, it could get uh, tough, could get difficult. Um, especially when you when you have kids, you have you know your wife, your family, uh, friends at home. Um, I think it. I think it is tough. So I think uh, that the NBA should look into it. But uh, you bring up a good point there, where you can't be there for in a super ex- extended period of time. Um, say they go, you know, say they plan it right now and they go in a month, and they're going to be there for the next 
you know, over a half year if you include the rest of the season and playoffs. So um, I think that is a good point to bring up. So maybe they, they could look into it for the playoffs again, but I don't know how long of an extended period of time they could uh, keep the players in there again. I mean, maybe we'll uh, at some point just have to combine the NBA and college basketball and have a, just a giant March Madness. I'd tune in. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, that would be interesting. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> it would be because then my Knicks would lose to a college team, and then I would. Like, no, oh my god, that's that definitely <laughs> would be the most Knicks thing of them to do, huh, Isaiah? It would be. <laughs> um. So so I'm glad we all got our thoughts out there. You know, we disagree, but we'll just call that agree to disagree here. Um. We're gonna get into our first game break of the day here, but first we'll we'll get a message from Clovercrest. The Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what UAW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. All right, so getting into our first game break of the day here tonight, we have the Lakers versus the Houston Rockets on NBA TV at 8 p.m. Uh, LeBron is listed as a game time decision here. Obviously, we know the drama and toxicity of James Harden going on in Houston. They're trying to get him out ASAP. Um, Isaiah, I want to know what you think. Uh, do you think? Do you think James Harden should maybe start to change his attitude and show a little more uh, uh, willingness to compete and committedness to the Rockets for the time being while he's there? I think he has to figure it out. He's either going to have to jump on board or get off board, one of the two, because at this point, all you're going to do is continue to hurt the team if you can't pick a direction, especially with James Harden, who's expected to be a leader of that team. You know, players look toward, look for him. You know, he's the guy who closes the game. He's the guy who, you know, the offense flows through him. And when they're playing well, it's because most likely he's playing well. And if he doesn't want to be there, I think it's time for him to go because – Boogie and cousin, I mean, excuse me, <clears throat> Boogie and um, Wall are playing really well, and I think they, um, I think he's only going to continue to um, hinder their progress and you know learning to play together if he doesn't you know get on board with them. Yeah, you, you mentioned John Wall. I mean, if he's not a shoe in for comeback and player of the year, I don't know who is because he's been playing good. Uh, Sean, I, I wanted to know what you think. Um, if, if LeBron doesn't play this game, obviously you said the Rockets have been struggling. Um, I think LeBron will play. If LeBron doesn't play, um, did, should the Rockets kind of see this as a kind of take advantage of the moment kind of thing and, and get a win under their belt against the top team? Yeah, I think it definitely is. Um, you know, they have a record of three and five right now. They they haven't played as many games, but uh, they're they're still realistically in it. Um, in the West, and it, it's still super early. So this would definitely be a big win. Um, against the reigning champions. So definitely with LeBron out, you got to take advantage of that. Um, obviously you gotta if LeBron's out, you got to try and double team AD every time he gets the ball in the post. Uh, you got to try to make it tough for him on the defensive side of the ball. And then um on offense, your your guys have to do their jobs. James Harden has to show up and and give you thirty. Um, like he's the best scorer. To prove that he's the best scorer in the league, uh, John Wall's got to continue to play well. Christian Wood, who's been playing uh, tremendously this year, I, I think uh, 
he deserves a lot of credit. Um, but uh, he's got to have a big game. Um, and then obviously the Rockets, the they got some scoring off the bench. Uh, ben McLemore came back um, er, earlier last week, so I think the Rockets are they're heading in the right direction. Obviously, they need James Harden to buy into the system. But um, every every game I've watched, they they had a tough game against the Lakers. Um, a couple of nights ago, but I, I, it seems like James Harden is starting to buy in more and more. You could see him and John Wall talking a lot um, every time they go to timeout and go to the bench. So I think that I think that he's starting to get there, starting to buy in a little bit. So I, I think the Rockets can turn this around, but uh, this would definitely be, be huge momentum for them um, if they can get the, the win against the Lakers tonight. Very true, very true. Uh, so tomorrow, another another big game in the east <laughs> for for fans of the new york teams Woo! The, the knicks and the nets obviously the nets are uh still without kyrie irving they just got kevin durant back on sunday uh the knicks though isaiah they've lost three in a row they were sitting in the middle of the east they're now down to ninth uh is this just a speed bump for them or is this the kind of the direction that the knicks are trending in well i'll first want to say tied for ninth but uh <laughs> <laughs> but no um the Knicks could easily be a top three seed if they had won those previous two games because they'd be two game, they'd be a seven win team and be in the top three. But obviously they didn't. But like I said, this is a situation of a young team, and the the hardest part of a young team is when you get into losing stretches. It's about containing them and stopping them and not allowing them to go on for six and seven games. So if the Knicks can find a way to, to stop this and turn around, and right now it's just a little uh, bump in the road, but. The team looks tired. You know, they're not getting a lot of rest. The one day breaks in between games and then you have a roster. You have multiple injuries on the team. So a lot of players are packing in a lot of minutes. R.J. Barrett, Randall and um, uh, excuse me. Oh, my God. And uh, Robinson. (laughs) I know I'm having a brain fart. And Robinson are playing some of the highest minutes on the team right now. Some of them almost 38 minutes a game. That's a lot for any player. So while they are young, it still does run down players, and that's been the thing of Thibodeau that a lot of people were worried about with him coming to the Knicks in the first place. But if they can find a way to, you know, get back on track, the Knicks can easily turn this around and, you know, get back into this if they, you know, if they can find a way to turn it around. Yeah. So, um, Sean, I'm not Jay. Don't take Jay. Don't take this the wrong way, but I'm not saying you're biased. But from a from somewhat of an unbiased uh, point of view. Would you say that you could see the Knicks squeezing into the playoffs come season end? I know it's a little early, but could you see them as being uh, possibly a playoff threat towards the bottom of the East? Uh, I, I don't know if I would say they're a threat uh, going in the playoffs exactly, but I, I do think they, they could sneak in there maybe at a seven or eight seed. Um, I think they need a, some offensive help. Um, obviously, I don't think they have a lot of scoring, but defensively, um, they, they're they a tough-minded team. They have a, a really good defense. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson is one of the best rim protectors in the league. Uh, they have good wing defenders out in the perimeter. So uh, I think that defensively they're good. Um, they could maybe use some scoring maybe when they look into their trade deadline uh, a couple months down the road. But I, I do think this is a, a team with a lot of young talent uh, i think they're they're building the right way um obviously as isaiah said tom thibodeau likes the players uh players a lot of minutes so we'll see if they wear down by the end of the season but uh i think that they they could make some noise in the east this year um i think they could make the playoffs for the first time in a while and then you know build on that going forward um see if they could start making the playoffs every year um see if they could start making higher seeds but i do think that the knicks are, are pretty good they're a legit defensive team that could stop um teams every night it's just can they get to 100 points is, is really the big question, but uh, I, I do think that they're they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, as Isaiah was saying, that's the Thibodeau way. 
to play the stars a crap load of minutes. And obviously, <laughs> some people blame the demise of Derrick Rose's knee on Tom Thibodeau, but I don't know if we'll go that far. Um, the Rose, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, later that night, same night as the Knicks Nets game, we're going to have Clippers versus Pelicans. Uh, another, you know, this is a Pelicans team that we've brought up a lot on this show, you know, being very young and. They're still below 500. They've also lost three in a row. Kawhi and his scary little face masks he's got going on. The Clippers have been rolling with him and Paul George playing well. Um, we won't talk much about that game, but Thursday's game, a team that's been battling COVID pretty hard, the 76ers are going to take on the Heat. Um, obviously, Joel Embiid came back in last night's game for the Sixers. Ben Simmons is still out with some knee trouble. They still have a handful of players out with COVID protocol issues. Um, and the, the oh, excuse me, the Miami Heat have have been kind of average this year, not really looking like a top threat. The Sixers have lost three in a row as well. A lot of teams losing three in a row, but I don't know if you can necessarily blame that on the Sixers. I mean, I mean, you can blame them for not following protocol and stuff like that, testing positive and all that garbage. But um, Isaiah, do you think, it's important for um, not only the Sixers, but all these teams that are battling these issues to kind of, you know, get the ship right. Cause the Sixers were at the top of the East not too long ago. And now they're sitting at seven and four. Well, I do think it's that I think part of the issue right now is they're not getting a lot of practice time. in. a lot of these games are one day off and then you're back into another game. So they're not getting a lot of practice time in and not getting a lot of shoot around time in and not being able you know, to work their offense. And you talk about, a lack of off-season and training camp. So a lot of these teams, are, you know, they're all dealing with the same thing right now, which is lack of, you know, commodity as a team because, you know, they haven't had much time together and they're not getting much practice time. But I think if the schedule, you know, can start to get better and these COVID situations can clear up and they can get back on a regular basis, I think a lot of these teams will start to straighten themselves out. And and you know what, Sean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to you in a second, but I just wanted to go on a little rant about something that came into my mind right now. Uh, I saw – I got an update from ESPN on Monday, and it said heat game canceled versus Celtics due to heat not having eight players. And I was like, hmm, did the, six, did the 76ers not play with seven players the night before? They did. And you're going to cancel a game because a team doesn't have eight players? Why didn't you cancel our game? We lost that game. We had Isaiah Joe play 45 minutes for us. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I was beyond pissed off at that. I, 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 just, I just couldn't comprehend why they wouldn't cancel the 76ers game. And then we continued on to play Monday night as well. I don't know. I think we had a few more players back for that. But still... Uh, that's a loss on our record that I'm not exactly understanding what the league's thought process on that was. So I'm sorry to, sorry to jump in on you, Sean, but no, that, uh, that's a fair point. I, yeah. It makes a hundred. I know uh, Joel Embiid wasn't happy about it. I saw, I saw he tweeted about it too, but, um, it, it is a fair point. You, you have to be, uh, you have to be, you know, you have to treat the teams all equally. Um, obviously if, if some team, if some teams, uh, are missing players, uh, you know, you got to cancel the game. So I, I think that was unfair to the Sickers. I don't know if that was just because it was the first time it happened this season. They were trying to figure out if they should play or not. And then if they, they switched some of the guidelines after that. But um, I, I think it was unfair to the Sixers. Um, and like you said, they were off to such a great start losing some of these games um, just because they're without players. They easily could have been canceled, you know, postponed to a later date. And then maybe they could have won if they, had, they were at full strength. But uh, 
I, I do think that it is unfair. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not saying like it couldn't have been the situation. I'm not saying it could have. <laughs> you know, for all for all intents and purposes, it could have been the Sixers' fault that this this the virus spread throughout the team. But like like Sean said, if you're gonna cancel one game for another team, then do the same for the other team. I know no. one happened before the other, but still. But I think Sean's right about that. I think they probably saw what happened with the 76ers and use that to guide them to make their next decision, which was to cancel the game because they realized that seven isn't enough. There's no way that eight could be enough. So I think it was more of a learning process more than it was a try to punish the 76ers. So I don't think they did that on purpose. <laughs> well, you know what? Isaiah, I'm salty, and that's that. That's what I'm going with, okay? It's okay. That's <laughs> all right. All right. And then later that night, uh, Thursday, we also have the Warriors against the Nuggets. Uh, Nuggets are another team that have been trending downward, uh, not downward, um, upward after their poor start. They're they're trying to fight back into into quote playoff position because you know we're so early in this season. But they've they've won two in a row. They're back up to five hundred. The Warriors are a team that's sitting at six and four. They've also won two in a row. They're they're floating around that that mid area of the um of the West, obviously, like we always say here, it's, it's early on. So positioning for now, doesn't really matter unless you're, you're uh, at the bottom of the table, but um, Steph Curry's been balling. Are you guys looking for anything particular during this match? Um, I mean, just, just for Chef Curry to, to keep cooking. Uh, he, he's been great, um, especially since Draymond has been back. That That's opened up the offense for them a lot. So uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of offense in this game. And then uh, Jokic on the other side, he's been – I mean, if the Nuggets were off to a, a better start, he'd be an MVP candidate easily right now. Um, he's, you know, he's shooting – uh, super efficient from the floor. I think he, he's close to almost 60% from the field, which is ridiculous uh, considering the amount of shots that he's taken a game. And, uh, you know, he's also putting up, uh, I think, 21, 11, and 10. So he's been playing out of his mind. He, he needs a little help from Jamal Murray and uh, the supporting cast. But um, I, I think that this will be a, a fun game with a lot of offense, and I, I'm looking forward to, to watching it on TNT on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, so that should be a good game. Um, and uh, – you know, I was mentioning the Nuggets were doing poor, but um, like I mentioned, you don't want to be sitting at the bottom of the table or standings like this next team we're going to talk about, the Toronto Raptors. They are struggling, and I mean they are struggling, man. They are 2-8. and eight. They look horrible, and I've been reading some of the things the fans have been saying and is not nice. Uh, you see down there, Van Vliet is averaging 20 points a game, but some people still say he's not doing enough, and he – so I've I've read that I've been searching through some some things that Raptors fans have been saying, and they say Van Vliet's not putting in the effort he he should be on the kind of contract he signed this off season. So, um, <laughs> Isaiah, I wanna I wanna start with your thoughts on the Raptors. Are they should they just is it too early to say they should just blow things up? Uh, do you think they can get back to playoff form and uh, compete in and you know they're they're considered one of the top teams in the East, uh, maybe around four or five, do you think that they can still be a threat in the Eastern Conference or think it's just, think it's time to time to blow things up in Toronto? Wow. Well, I will say I do believe they could make a push and get back to the playoffs because I still believe it's early. But I, I do believe this team 
is real, dealing with an issue where they're realizing it's it's not Fred Fred, Fred Van Fleet's Fred Van Fleet's fault. Wow, I'll try saying that fast three times. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really his fault. It's it's necessarily the fact that when they traded for Kawhi, they took a risk in losing a star player. You know, basically renting a star player, losing a star player to rent a star player, and you know the gamble for them failed because now Kawhi's in. You know, L.A. and now they're dealing with the repercussions of that, and then you lose Ibaka on top of that. That those are two big blows, you know, to try to come back from. And you know, Siakam's a great player, but he, he never really he's not really turning out to be like that franchise, you know, controlling, you know, taking over type of player. I, I still think they need a, a a big time player for them. You know, I think they have other pieces elsewhere, but they still need a big time scorer on that team. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think they do need uh, uh, someone who can who can score um, like a, in an elite fashion. Um, Kawhi Leonard obviously was that guy for them, and you say they took that gamble, Isaiah, and and they're kind of dealing with the repercussions of that right now. You know, they won a championship, but you're wondering maybe is that worth the years of struggling that's maybe to come? Um, and I, I agree there with Jace. I think everything underneath Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia is up for grabs. Um, there's a lot of young teams that are hungry in the Eastern Conference. A lot of a lot of players uh, trying to fight for contracts and positioning in this league. And Sean, I'd like to I'd like to know what you think on Toronto's situation here, starting starting struggling so heavily in the in the early on. Yeah, I mean, I, if they continue to lose games like this, I, I think they do have to blow it up. Um, obviously, they got to keep Fred Van Vliet just because they just paid him. But uh, see if they can get any assets back for, um, you know, maybe a better a veteran like Kyle Lowry that I'm sure a lot of teams would love to have, a veteran point guard like that. Um, and then they, they just have to continue to develop some of their younger players like uh, Chris Boucher is a really good rim protector. Um, he's a he's a beast on the offensive glass. Uh, they just haven't played him that many minutes. And then uh, other guys like Terrence Davis off the bench, uh, Matt Thomas, who's a really good shooter. So I think they they got to look to trade into someone or trading someone away and then uh, developing their young players and then uh, trying to get better uh, going forward. Because I, I think that, like uh, you guys were saying, they their end goal was to win the championship uh, when they made that trade for Kawhi. They did that. They didn't. They weren't able to re- retain Kawhi, but I, I think they won because obviously uh, bringing a championship to Toronto, the first one ever, was huge for that city. But um, that now it's now it's looking on. Obviously, they've they've been struggling out of the gate. Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet haven't been super efficient. Um, they've been struggling defensively, which is not like the Raptors usually. Usually, they're really good on defense. So. Uh, I, I unfortunately do think it is uh, almost time to blow it up because they, they've just really been off to a bad start. But I, I also wouldn't be surprised if they, they stretch off or um, a couple wins here um, because they do have the talent to do it. So they, they could get themselves back into the East, but um, I, don't, I don't see that being likely. You really think they won that trade? One uh, championship? Yeah. One yeah. championship? I, I think they did. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, as a Knicks fan, I would love one championship right now, so I can't 
sit here and <laughs> disagree with their logic. But well, that's yeah, that's what I mean for for a franchise too, like the Raptors. For the for all the fans there, they they have all the heartbreak of the you know the early two thousands, uh, all the good players that they let away. Um, but and I mean now they they got that back with their championship. So I mean it, it's it's definitely a it's definitely a good debate. But I, I think the championship was worth it for the city of Toronto. I don't know if you told me right now that if you traded LeBron to the Knicks and he's guaranteed to win a championship, <laughs> we got to get rid of all the youth. I don't know if I'd be willing to take that type of gamble. So I, I don't know. For one championship, and now you're talking about rebuilding the whole team, that's yeah. that's a huge, you know, that's a lot. That is big. Um, speaking of rebuilding the Raptors, uh, this is kind of a question I want to spring on you guys. Where's – I'll go to Isaiah, and then uh, right after Isaiah, Sean, I'll, I'd like to hear what you, you have to say. Um, where's one team that you not only – would like to see Kyle Lowry go, but you think Kyle Lowry would be most effective on Kyle Lowry? Wow, that's a, it's a very d- difficult question. I don't think about <laughs> Kyle Lowry very often, but uh, places where I think he could go right now, um, honestly. I honestly think he can go to Philly, honestly, if you would think about it. I think Philly, if he could go there and uh play the point guard position, and then maybe they can switch, you know, maybe they can move Ben to a power forward every now and then and then go back to Kyle Lowry and he can play, you know, some type of guard position for them. Maybe they can work something out there and then you're not taking the risk of a James Harden, you know, where you're spending a ton of money, but you're getting a guy, you know, who you can trust at the position to handle the ball. But um, as far as uh, where he could fit right now, I don't really know as far as where he could fit. You know, a lot of teams are really set right now, especially his position. Um, one place that I think about is uh maybe Golden State. Uh, obviously Steph Curry's a point guard, but I, Steph Curry could play the two very easily. Um, he, he's a catch and shoot type of player, and uh, I think that would open up a lot of, for their offense. And also the Warriors, one thing they do struggle with still a little bit is defensively. So uh, I think uh, Kyle Lowry's a very tough uh, player. He'll, he'll go in there. He'll take some tough charges. Uh, he's he's very pesky. He he's good at stealing the ball. So, um, I, I think the Warriors might be one spot. Um, if the Warriors feel like they need help, I, I think that would be a pretty good match for them. You know, one place I absolutely love for, um, <clears throat> Kyle Lowry and it's not Milwaukee. It's, um, Miami. I think Miami would be a great fit for Kyle Lowry. I think that him and Jimmy Butler would probably be the best defensive backcourt in the NBA. Arguably, mm. Um, and then Kyle Lowry, like Sean says, he's just that that kind of grit and grind player that matches matches the same style as Jimmy Butler. I think they would work very well together. And um, I think Goran Dragic there can still come off the bench and be effective. I think he's a very good scorer, especially off the bench. He can come in and give you you know high teens, uh, maybe even a couple 20, 20, 20 pieces a couple nights. Um, so I think Miami would be a good spot for Kyle Lowry to land if if the Raptors do decide to blow it up. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of an injury report after this break and this message from Clovercrest. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Baseball with the Bard, I say it every week. It's a great show. I've been on it myself. All you baseball heads out there, give that one a listen. Um, so 
LeBron James, like I said earlier, is a game-time decision. He has an ankle injury. He's unsure if he'll miss any time outside of tonight's game. Um, I want to know, Isaiah, this might be a dumb question, but <laughs> do you think the Lakers are deep enough to compete without LeBron, or is it game over if he's gone? And I know this injury isn't that serious, but say he does get a serious injury, God forbid, is that team not deep enough to compete without LeBron, or you think they have a chance? Well, I'm thinking you've heard LeBron say it time and time again that this is Anthony Davis's team. It's not his team. But I do believe their team is actually pretty deep. I think they could still compete, not maybe necessarily win a championship, but compete for a championship with the loss of LeBron. But anytime you lose a play like LeBron, that's a you know, that's a huge blow to your team, no matter what team you are, no matter what position you are, no matter what point in the season, it's that's a huge blow. LeBron is a player that no matter what team he's on, you know, no matter where he's been, he's a front runner for the championship you know, where wherever he's at. So I think they could compete, but you know, it's gonna be a blow not having LeBron. I, I agree with that. I think I think that you know uh LeBron missed a lot of time his first year in Los Angeles and we we saw the effects of that on the Lakers. Obviously they didn't have a player of Anthony Davis's caliber there to kind of clean up some of that slack. But um Sean, do you think do you think the Lakers would be any good without LeBron? Um, I think they'd be able to win uh, some games and keep winning. Uh, if it if it only went for a couple months, if uh, if say he had a the ankle injury kept him out for a couple months, I think the Lakers would you know be able to to hold their ground. I, I think they'd be able to stay uh, probably above 500, just because the the talent that they added in the offseason. Then obviously Anthony Davis is a, a top five player in the league, so um, I, I think they would be able to to stay above water. But um, if it did continue into the postseason, say they had had a a postseason run without LeBron, um, I don't think that would end well for them. We we all obviously know what LeBron brings to the table. Um, we've been watching him our whole lives, but he, he does everything for the team: uh, passing, rebounding, scoring. Uh, you know, he does it on the defensive side, especially when it when it matters in clutch game situations. So uh, the Lakers would obviously miss that. I think LeBron's still the best player in the world right now. So um, uh, I think that would definitely hurt them a lot. But if it was only for a short period of time, I, I think that the Lakers would uh, be able to hold their ground and, and probably stay above 500 during the uh, stretch. Uh, more injury news in the West. Uh, John Morant is expected to miss at least up until the end of the month. We had discussed his injury before. Uh, they were unsure when he could return. He's expected to return by the end of the month, January 27th, around there to to be exact, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, who's missed time with the wrist injury, could be back on um, Wednesday. I know he he tried to come back earlier in the week. I think he actually might have played a few games, but he's still mulling uh, mulling over you know residual effects of that injury. And the Celtics and Mavericks, like we talked about earlier in the show, they've had multiple, multiple, multiple COVID tests on uh, each team. Um, they've been the most, I mean, the Celtics have now are now going on three games in a row being canceled. So, um, that's, that's, that's our injury news. Uh, so we'll get that right into our third topic here. Someone who's been missing for non-injury or COVID related reasons, Mr. Kyrie Irving from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we kind of, we kind of know that this is, this is Kyrie Irving. He kind of just goes missing, uh, you know, he. I'm not, I'm not. I mean, what I'm saying is, I'm not surprised. I think this is just typical Kyrie Irving BS that he's just saying. Oh, you know what? I don't feel like playing, so I'm just gonna stay home and y'all, y'all do you. So, for 
Bobby Marks and Steve Nash of the Nets. When does this become Zay a realistic like issue, like something they actually need to look into and start handling internally? It's been an issue since day one. Let me first off say, as a Nick fan, I am thankful that we didn't get Kyrie or Kevin Durant for this exact reason, because Kyrie Irving is and always has been a cancer. He's either he's not healthy, he can't play where he's hurting the team, or he's distraction in the locker room, which he always continues to be. Kyrie Irving is, I, I, I mean, he's a cancer. There's no other way to put it. He's a cancer, and I think honestly, the best thing to do for the Nets would probably be get rid of him. I think they're a better team. I thought they were a better team probably without Kyrie and KD. You know, I thought they were a pretty good team without them. And then once you add them, you know, obviously it's a more talented group. But I think it, it hurts the actual team aspect of, you know, players playing for each other. And I think that's the issue. I think that have a ton of talent. You don't have a bunch of guys who, you know, enjoy playing with each other. And that can affect the team. So I think at some point you're going to have to come to a, a crossroads where you're going to have to either move on from Kyrie or, 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 or keep the cancer and can you know continue to fail? Yeah, uh, Sean, I'm 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 really dying to know what you think about this. Uh, do you think do you think it's it's already a, a severe issue, or do you think it's not there yet? And if you don't think it's there yet, when will it get there? Uh, I think it's starting to build up for that, or build up to that for sure. Um, obviously, they've they've been losing the games. Um, where Kyrie has been out, they've they've been on a tough stretch. Um, KD has missed some games too, so I think uh, if this continues, uh, maybe for the next week or so, I, I think they're they're definitely going to have to do something about it. They're going to have to, you know, sit down and talk with Kyrie and ask him, you know, are you on board? Um, are you are you know are you committed to this Brooklyn Nets team? Because obviously they they had such high ex- expectations going into the year. Um, so a lot of people, including myself, thought that they were going to win the Eastern Conference. So. Um, I, I think this it definitely hurts their team a lot. Kyrie is such a talented player. We saw it when uh, he came back earlier in the season. You know, he looked tremendous sh- uh, shooting the ball. You know, he he was dishing the ball out. He he looked he looked just like um, old Kyrie, like we used to see um, on the Cavs and on the Celtics. So, Kyrie's been a mystery ever since he left Cleveland to go to Boston. Obviously, he wanted to be the number one option. He couldn't do that in Boston, and then um, you know he, he goes to Brooklyn to, to team up with Kevin Durant. So. You know, hopefully uh, I, I want to see them coincide. Um, I want to see them have success just because them two on the court together was a lot of fun to watch. We only saw it for a couple of games to start the season, but um, it, it it was really electric. And I, I think if they do get Kyrie back, they, they will be in a, a good spot because, uh, like Isaiah said, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of good pieces there. Um, I, I think it's just about getting their two stars back. Um, so they, they need to find out where, where Kyrie's head is at um, if, he, if he's on board with this team and – I wouldn't necessarily look into moving him right away because I, I think he can help out the team a lot. Um, even if he, even if the locker room chemistry isn't there 100, percent I think the team is is a lot better with him there. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, the Nets do have to figure out where Kyrie's head is at and uh, see if he's he's really committed to making a championship run for this Nets team this year. Sean, I ask you, when has the situation with Kyrie ever gotten better? I mean, it, it hasn't, but I, it's, it's never, no matter where he goes, the situation continues. But, the longer he stays, the worse it gets. It, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. He is a cancer. And the fact that Spencer Dinwiddie is missing right now is really what's hurting the team with him it, with Kyrie's absence. But he is a cancer. I honestly feel like he's a huge distraction to this team. And, he, and it was, like I said, a big reason I didn't want the Knicks to pick him up because with such a young team, I didn't want that type of character around these young players to influence them like that 
because the last thing I would need is R.J. Barrett going AWOL. And doesn't this show you that how little the Nets mean in New York that Kyrie goes AWOL, no one cares? <laughs> Derrick Rose goes AWOL, and the whole NBA goes crazy. It's just amazing. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, yeah, the, uh, the Kyrie situation, I think you need to get rid of him. It's just – yeah. Definitely. You know, you know, getting rid of him at this point might be a little bit of a stretch, but Isaiah, I get what you're saying. Um, he's not doing anything to help them right now, so what's the point of keeping him around? Uh, I mean, you brought up, Sean, that Kyrie Irving is kind of just a mystery in this league. You know, no one really knows what's going on inside his head, and, you know, someone I, I compare him to in uh, another league is Antonio Brown. He's kind of gone – gone. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go yeah. that far. He's, he's going, nuts. He's nuts, but I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> he's going crazy. But, he thinks the world is flat, but I don't think he's Antonio Brown crazy. I was <laughs> gonna say the only thing I uh different about that for me is um, you know, Antonio Brown, we could blame it on all the hard hits to the head. Kyrie Irving's not getting hit in the head with uh with by yeah. 300, 325. Right. Um and yeah, I Chase makes a comparison there to Dennis Rodman. Um, I obviously wasn't wasn't around back then to see the up and like up and close what Dennis Rodman brought brought problems to the Bulls and the Spurs and stuff like that. But um, Kyrie Irving, like like Zaya said, I think he's just a cancer to the team. I think he thinks he's bigger than basketball, which to be honest, he's not. He's just another player, and that sucks. But in this league, that's what you are to some people. You you're just another player. Um, so hopefully. Hopefully he can come back. You know, uh, I think I do think he is replaceable. I think there's places that would still be willing to take a risk for James Hart or James Harden, Kyrie Irving, such as Houston in a possible James Harden package. But I don't know how how well KD and Harden would work together, at, even if that was a, a destination for Kyrie. So you'd how, hope to see. How would that work with Wall and Kyrie? That, yeah, that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't work. You'd think- um you'd hope to see Kyrie Irving just kind of come back to earth here. Um, whether it's flat or round, um, <laughs> uh, it, it's just a it's a disappointing situation, except for especially for fans of the the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so if anyone doesn't have any further comments, I believe that'll do it for us today on the Posting Up Podcast, uh, guys. We all set? Yeah, I think we covered all right. it all. Yep, we will catch you on Saturday. We go live at one p.m. Saturdays. Uh, so make sure you tune in posting up podcast Clovercrest media. We do all, all kind of great stuff. Check out some of the podcasts such as, uh, keys to the city baseball with the bard. We showed you guys, but, uh, there's a lot more than that. So head over to their website, check them out. We do great things here, uh, for the posting up podcast and King Zay and Sean Scanlon. This has been Lucas Bullduck. Peace.
Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. 